The Secrets of Technology is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Technology. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Technology, where we discuss the technology news that's important to you from a uniquely Catholic point of view. And joining me today on the panel is Pat Scott. Hi, Pat. Welcome, everybody. I'm glad to be here. So uh, before we get started, I do want to mention another show that is on the StarQuest Network that you um, will enjoy. It's called PlayStation Portable, and it's a different kind of show because it's the Divine Office or... Liturgy of the Hours. It's the daily prayer of the Catholic Church, and we have uh, multiple times of prayer a day uh, that download as podcast files. Uh, It's been going on for 17 years now. It's one of the oldest Catholic podcasts around, and it's it's really well done, and it's a nice break during your day to listen to the prayer and join in, and you can even listen to it while you're doing other things. And uh, so it's a it's a great opportunity to have some prayer. So check it out wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash PSP for PlayStation Portable. You can tell how old it is because that's a pun on uh, PlayStation Portable, <laughs> which is a very old piece of gaming tech. Uh, before we get started in our discussion today, we did have a little bit of listener feedback I wanted to mention. Uh, Rick wrote in on our Facebook page, about last week's episode where we were talking about Apple's announcements, and uh, Rick said, uh, Joanne's discussion about the M1 Mac Mini. I have one also and really like it, despite the fact that my wireless Mac keyboard won't work, but my wireless Mac mouse does. Fine. This is my fourth Mac Mini. Huge fanboy here. And uh, so my response is, Rick, you're really pushing me toward <laughs> getting one. I, as as listeners know, I've been holding out for, for a M1, M2, or whatever, iMac 27 to replace my current four or five-year-old iMac. And uh, the longer it takes, the more those Mac minis look <laughs> attractive. Attractive, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, thank you, Rick, for the feedback. And that's a, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll look. Uh, maybe, maybe I'll look at the refurbs, <laughs> like, like Joanne was suggesting. So, uh, Pat, that, that reminds me that uh, we talked about Apple's big announcements last week, and I know that you... Uh, you you live in both camps, Android and Apple. Did yes. you get a, any new Apple tech uh, from the announcement? You mean I'm going to have to divulge my secret here for the first time? <laughs> uh, yes. Well, I didn't get one of the brand new ones, but I got a, a Mac Air with the M1 chip. Oh, you did? Awesome. Yeah. Uh, and I got, I think it's got 16 gig of memory and, and a 500 gig hard drive. But I, I've I've been hoping that my old Mac book would die but it hadn't so i finally decided uh, it's still a business investment so at the moment i'm practicing wiping the hard drive and reinstalling the os because there's a different way to do it oh, and since right. i didn't have much data i I did restore from time machine 
And so now I'm wiping it and reinstalling it just so I have the experience. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good a good uh, tech thing to do. That if you're going to be if you're going to end up helping someone do it, it's good to have that experience. But you didn't yeah. get anything from that Apple announced last week a new phone or iPad. No, I didn't. I didn't get one of those, but uh, I've got several people who are are getting uh, the new iPad. Some mm. of my clients, right? Uh, and uh, because that that looked real attractive, and uh, I don't have any person who's getting the thir- the the new thirteen yet. Okay, I've um, got I've got a thirteen Pro coming myself. I ordered the thirteen Pro. My phone's several years old, so it was it was time for me to upgrade. And I, I'm I'm leaping at the the pro. I, I usually get the pro, and I usually get the max. This time I didn't. I got the regular size one, which I just feel like the max has gotten so big. Like just, I mean, there it's we're talking quarter inch. A mini tablet. Here. Yeah, I mean, I should just get an iPad Mini. But uh, I kind of felt like the one of the reasons I I got maxes in the past was because they had more features they had you know slightly more features than the regular size well this now they have exactly the same features uh, on them there's the only difference is the size and consequently a little bit more battery life so i said i'm gonna go with the pro and see how that is I, you know if i if i really like feel like it's it's teeny tiny in my hands which i i don't think i will you know you get two weeks to you know trade it in and get yeah. something different but i think i'll be happy with the with the pro Tactically, Very good. Yeah. yeah, I'm supposed to be getting it Friday. That was what they told me, but I'll, I haven't gotten a shipment notice from Apple yet. So, uh, but I, as I recall, the last time I got one from Apple, like I didn't get a shipment notice till like the day before or something like that. So it may be, um, it may be on its way already as we speak. That would be nice. It's supposed to be here Friday. All right. So that's the our preliminaries. Let's talk about our main topic for tonight and. There's a very interesting set of articles that the Wall Street Journal has been publishing. They call it the Facebook Files. They've gotten their hands on a treasure trove of internal Facebook documents, and they've been running out a series of articles. And I, I think I've got four of them so far that we've that we're uh, reading and uh, going to be discussing. There might have been more since then, but uh, it's a lot to begin with. So we'll, we'll start with these four, and they really highlight. You know, the sorts of things that face that they kind of show Facebook has been saying one thing amongst themselves and something different to the public, uh, the, which is kind of lying. <laughs> Let's just call it deceptive, at least. It's yes, <laughs> certainly deceptive and non-transparent. Uh, so um, let's start with the the first article that that. They put. It was, I don't know if it was the chronological the first, but it's the one that kind of leaps up to me. And I, oh, we'll talk about this. We'll talk about this order anyway. The first, the headline is Facebook knows Instagram is toxic for teen girls, and the co- that company company documents show. I'm sorry, stupid headlines. Company documents show that Facebook knows Instagram is toxic for teen girls. <laughs> Let's put that in real English there, there. So basically, the bottom line is not only is Instagram harming the mental health of teen girls. Facebook knew it, has known it, and really has done nothing about it. In fact, they've been trying to drive more engagement among among young people. Uh, they, 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 these are some of their facts from their research. Among teens who reported suicidal th- thoughts, 13% of British users and 6% of American users traced the desire to kill themselves to Instagram. 
32% of teen girls said that when they feel, felt bad about their bodies, Instagram made them feel worse. Uh, a quote from the, the, the study, we make body image issues worse for one in three teen girls. I mean, it goes on and on. And the, the problem is, is that Instagram creates this unrealistic view of life, of the way life should be, of the way we should look, of the way we should live, of our lifestyles. Um, and you and you might say, well, that that's all, you know, social media does that. Snapchat, TikTok, Facebook itself, Twitter. But their own research shows that it's worse on Instagram. Uh, they say that TikTok, those videos are more about performance. Snapchat is kind of focuses on face there's a lot of it's about the you know what you see do you focus on like a, a shoulder and above that's most of the imagery there but instagram focuses on body and lifestyle so pat what did you think of this article here well i thought it was very sad and especially the fact that they already had research that showed this was a problem and had not made substantial uh advances in in, in addressing it, you know, it's one thing when they're trying to address it and it's not managing to do so. It's another thing to say, well, that's not our problem. Right. Right. Uh, I mean, they the I think the bottom line in all of this is we're going is we're going to see. And as you read these articles, you kind of get the idea that Facebook's business model is they make more money when bad things happen to its users. <laughs> I mean, it's it's really I mean, that's a lot of social media. Oh. Yeah, I mean, it's like newspapers don't get anywhere without catastrophe stories. I mean, that's that's true for for as long as as people have been putting the news out there. Right. And but it's worse when it's social oriented, not just news oriented. Right. Because nobody ever got addicted to their newspaper. You know what I mean? Like that they can't put it down. They can't stop reading it. But th there's an addiction that's created in this. I mean, for for everyone, adults and teens, but it's worse for teens because they're younger. They don't have the uh, what little discipline <laughs> most adults might have more. Um, they, one of the things they, they mentioned, teens regularly reported wanting to spend less time on Instagram, but lacked the self-control to do so. They, fe they felt that they couldn't spend less time, partly because of the social pressure from their peers. Why, why didn't you like my photo? Why didn't you comment on my photo? That sort of thing. Um, and it's it's really bad. The other thing it says, uh, Instagram creates an unrealistic idea of what life should be like, what I should look like. And it's it's bad for adults. And it's even worse for teens. And this is why, I, you know, I my my kids, we, my daughter, especially my oldest daughter is 15, has said right up to me. She she watches as I edit these shows. She sits next to me doing her her, her math work when I'm editing. And she says, you know, I don't want a social media account. I don't want to be on social media because I see all of this stuff that you talk about, how bad it is for people. And, you know, I want her to eventually be familiar with it, It just like anything. But at this point, at 13, 14, 15, 17, 18, uh, you know, stay away as long as you can. You know, if you don't... <sighs> If you don't start, you can't get hooked <laughs> is, right. is, is the thing. Well, and there's always been bullying, but the numbers are smaller. When you're in a small in a school, there's a certain finite number of people that you come into contact with on a daily basis. Now it's the thing gets posted and there's three or four hundred people looking at it immediately. 
And that's if it's just a kind of a so-so article. If it's something that's really, I mean, it can get up to, you know, be forwarded and, and shared with so many people that it's it's horrifying when it goes wrong. I mean, just even even the things of uh, innocuous, like somebody accidentally announces a birthday party and 3,000 people show up that don't know them. Right. It just, the volume is horrible. Right. And even apart from the bullying aspects, like just even the things that, that what it teaches you about the world or supposedly teaches you about the world. Like I, I use Instagram. I sometimes page through the Instagram reels, which is their version of TikTok. I probably shouldn't because it's a waste of time, but I usually do it when I'm sitting there waiting to do other things, uh, you know, waiting for the coffee to finish or whatever. And I tell you, it the, the algorithm is designed to suck you in, just like we talked about in the uh, the the social dilemma in the episode. Scroll too, yeah, yeah, and it scrolls and the pictures and the videos it shows. It's like all of these fabulously attractive people doing fun and interesting things. And this must be the what life is like. And even on the pictures, I was talking to my wife, Melanie, and I was saying, like, I, I follow some hashtags related to camping on Instagram. And I can't tell you the number of photos that come up in, in that hashtag that are scantily clad women. Like, put some clothes on. You're out in the outdoors. You got to get some bug bites. You know what I mean? It's like, why are you showing me this stuff? Well, because it knows I'm an adult male in a certain demographic. And, uh, you know, if you show me enough of these things, I'm going to, I'm going to keep scrolling Looking more. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the, their, their mindset. That's the, I'm in that demo of, of guys who do that. It's, uh, yeah, it's really bad. And so this is, so that's what they said in their article about Instagram. Then they have another one called Facebook says its rules apply to all. And this is where they talk about the fact that Facebook has created a special list of high profile people, VIPs, celebrities, journalists, politicians who get special treatment when it comes time to assess whether they're adhering to community standards. So we all know that the community standards reporting system is broken. They, uh, you know, it happened to me where an innocuous post, you, you you write something up and then you get this post has been taken down for violation of community standards. Uh, I was quoting St. Augustine on something innocuous about being virtuous. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah. that's that should be in the community standards. And so we know that that system is 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 badly broken. And so what happens is when you have a VIP, someone with a lot of followers and they complain about it. That creates a big splash. And so that's bad PR for Facebook. And that person may stop using Facebook and then all their followers will go to, to with them to some other uh, social network uh, that will not do that. And so Facebook loses a lot of engagement, et cetera, et cetera. So what they've done is created this second tier system called XCheck, and it gets a little bit more hands-on analysis, supposedly, when when they when the thing comes in, but the the problem is, is that those when those people violate the standards, when they do violate the standards, they are less likely to get smacked down for it. And when they violate the standards, it has a bigger impact. You know, someone like me saying something stupid about you know doing something violent, nobody you know who's going to listen to me. But then you have like this actor who has a million people following him, and he says something go do this bad thing, that's worse. But yet he is less likely to be you know, have his post removed than I am. So that's the the essence of of the problem. 
Um, and, and they were supposed to have a board that was going to make it more more uh, arbitrators and a way to appeal and things mm-hmm. like that. And that seems to have paid lip service, but not really done a whole lot. Yes, the the board exists, but it does. But the the problem is too big for them to arbitrate every case, so they only right. arbitrate the biggest ones. And then, according to the the Facebook's own files that the Wall Street Journal uh, published. They allegedly lied to their own oversight board about what was going on. You know, there's supposed to be all this transparency and accountability to this independent, quote unquote, board. And yet. No transparency. They 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 lied to them uh, again, allegedly. Uh, so, you know, the bottom line is the enforcement of their community standards is is turns out to be capricious, unpredictable and opaque. As I had said, when we talked about this, when this happened to me, you know, you can't have community standards and not let people know what the rules are. You're like, there's no, we, no one knows what the standards actually are. Like, th- we know that there's, you know, the bad things you can't, you know, call, you know, ask someone to kill somebody. You know what I mean? Like, you, you, there's the extremes, but where's the line? No one knows where the line is. The, and the line seems to move from person to person. It's arbitrary. And so, and subject to interpretation uh, in terms of language and the way things are phrased, so it's it, there's not a clear and there's you know. there's no appeal, there's no due process, you know. I mean, you can enter an appeal, but you it's all automated. You, you don't know. You you can't make your case. Uh, you're not presented with any evidence. You can't confront an accuser. You know what I mean? Like our like our legal system. And the fact is, is it's if you it's an unenforceable standard because nobody knows what the standard is. And so that's bad enough. And then you add this special treatment thing on top of it, where some people, uh, you know, as uh, George Orwell said in Animal Farm, some pigs are more equal than others, shall we say. <laughs> right. <laughs> so uh, so that so that was another one. So then the, the next article, Facebook employees flag drug cartels and human traffickers. The company's response is weak, documents show. In this one, it turns out that in many countries outside the U.S., Canada, Europe, some of the in some developing countries, Facebook is being used often by like drug cartels to recruit and train hitmen. Those are some interesting Facebook groups. Tra- oh, yeah. Traffickers are using it to lure women into uh, slavery and arrange transportation of of young women of girls, uh, and. That's bad enough, but if Facebook was actually working to shut them down actively, that that would be at least mitigating. But it turns out Facebook knows and isn't stopping it. I mean, they go after the most egregious examples, of course, but they just, you know, it's too big a problem. They throw up their hands. We can't really do anything about it. Well, and some of the things in the article talked about how they don't have people that are well enough trained in a language to recognize necessarily the language that's being used. But, you know, those pictures are pretty graphic. I would think that they should be able to to look at those and say, hmm, that's a beheading. I don't think we should have that on here. Right, right. I mean, sometimes I come across stuff posted on not that sort of particularly, but usually uh, 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 just unclad people, shall we say. And I'm like, how? Like that's a clear violation of the rules. Why is that on here? Like, how could that be here? Uh, but you you make a good point. Also, the article does say, like, in developing countries, like in Ethiopia, they mentioned the the there's the uh, the Tigray uh, minority is being horribly massacred. It's not being reported widely in the news, unfortunately. But they're the people who are kind of organizing themselves 
on using Facebook groups, but Facebook doesn't have people speaking the local languages or very many of them. And so they are not able to police it. And that would be understandable if if the vast majority of Facebook's users were in first world countries and in the, in the most industrialized countries like U.S. and Europe and stuff. But it turns out that most Facebook users are now outside those countries. That's where that's most a real surprise. Yeah. But, but I guess it's it's the mobile devices that are so so readily available because there is no other infrastructure. And so therefore, those things are available as long as they're they're not blocked by their ISPs or whatever. That's right. Facebook becomes sort of the de facto uh, social media you know, communications platform because it's they they've worked hard to make themselves available in those places via, you know, mobile phones of, of whatever sort. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that the, the, the article says, Facebook treats harm in developing countries as simply the cost of doing business in those places. That's That was from a former vice president of, of Facebook who resigned last year, apparently in disgust at what the company was doing and he couldn't get them to stop. It's, that's not good. I, I mean, any one of these articles would be damning, but you just, add them up you just keep adding these things up and it's just it's bad it's really bad and and i feel bad that i continue to use the platform but i do it because that's where people are you know that's if i want to connect with friends and post pictures to share with family and that sort of thing they're on facebook i can't i can't connect with those people other places i wish i could well, and depending upon who your friends that you've made on Facebook are declared your friends and stuff like that, my feed may look totally different from somebody else's feed because of the people I have chosen to be around and the, and the things that I comment on are, are shown to me more often. Like my husband was mentioning that he has all sorts of things popping up for Carmelites and, and uh, shrines and all these things that I'm sure that nobody else has because he's always <laughs> liking those. Right. But his experience of Facebook with family and those groups is so much different than somebody else. And and it, it's hard to to pull it all apart and say, let's let's get rid of it, because I know with with my daughters, there's some of the most beautiful conversations going on there and some of the be most good theology and good mo moral theology and all this. But that's it's 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 just uh, hard to to leave that. But there's not a good way of of keeping the rest of the stuff under control. Right. That's the thing is Facebook is in some ways it's what you make it in the sense of literally by the things I post, like, follow, emoji, comment. Yeah, that sort mm -hmm. of thing. It becomes a particular kind of place based on my interaction, which is not necessarily bad, but. The, Facebook is constantly pushing you to have other, certain kinds of interactions. That kind of brings us to the to the the last article I want to talk about, which is the headlines. Facebook tried to make its platform a healthier place. It got angrier instead. So a couple of years ago, Facebook overhauled its newsfeed algorithm. After the 2016 election, there was a widespread uh, blame on Facebook and Twitter, but Facebook uh, especially for creating these silos of anger, of silos of tribal tribalism, that sort of thing. And so they were going to boost meaningful social interactions, or MSI, because everything has to have an acronym, between friends and family, instead of mainly with third-party, you know, 
pages and organizations. Okay. Uh, but what turned out to happen is it made people angrier. Right. Any any discord that was going on was suddenly magnified because that was what people were commenting on and reflecting on. And right. Yeah. So, right. What happened was, is they they created this algorithm that measured how much meaningful interaction a post sparked, then organized your news feed to encourage as much of that as possible. So <laughs> they had an internal point system that measured its success. A like was worth one point. A reaction. A, so like one of the uh, like a happy face or sad face, that sort of thing, a reaction, a reshare without you writing anything or a reply to an invite was worth five points and a significant comment message reshare with text or RSVP was worth 30 points. And then you had additional multipliers, depending on whether the interaction was between members of a group, friends or strangers. And what happened is, is like if I had an innocuous post about something neutral just neutral it a it green pizza or something yeah it didn't go anywhere if someone posted a comment that elicited outrage you know so a comment storm you know we, we sometimes call it it would start to boost that the appearance of you know, that would acquire many more points and even if i wasn't involved in the comment storm if i'm hands off but people who had seen the post were even people who i didn't even know because I have a public post, say friends of a friend of a friend, that po that post would then start to show up in more and more people's feeds, and it would emphasize those comments, and it would draw people in to join into the comment storm and create angry and ang angrier and angrier reactions. That is not a meaningful social interaction. Now, to a computer, <laughs> it's people interacting. Look, more people are interacting. Isn't that wonderful? That's what you want, right? But it's it's like wrong kind of interacting. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, I often say, just show me all of my friends posts in reverse chronological order from the most recent to the to the oldest. And I often go into the recent tab in Facebook. Yeah. But I'll tell you, it doesn't show me everything. It shows me the same stuff over and over again. Uh, you know, my friends are posting a lot more than five things. Like I've, I have several, thousands of friends. I'm certain people are posting more things than it's showing me, but it just won't show them to me. Right. And what I've tried to do is, is uh, periodically just click on their name and go see their page and see what they're posting there. But that doesn't get the comments they're making on other people's stuff. Yeah, exactly. So, and, so yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's just messed up. Yeah. It is messed up. The algorithms that are designed to show us more of the thing we, we they think we want to make. Well, no, it's not about. Let me rephrase that. It's not about showing us anything to that benefits us. It's showing us things to keep us clicking, to keep us scrolling, engaged. Whatever, yeah. whatever they can show us that they think will keep us going. If I watch a funny video, like. Uh, Funniest home videos where people, you know, fall off of bloopers. Boats. Yeah, yeah, that sort of thing. Blooper videos. It will start uh, throwing video after video after video. Like, okay, I, I like potato chips as an occasional treat. I don't want to live on a diet of potato chips. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, if I have a slice of pizza, it doesn't mean I want every meal to be pizza. But that's how these algorithms work. Oh, you like that? You want more of that? Obviously, you want more. Here, have much more of that. I'm like, ah, 
It's kind of like Amazon when you buy something and then it shows you all the things that are just like what you just bought. And I'm thinking, but I want something different, not just exactly what I bought. Thanks, Amazon. (laughs) I've already got one now. That's right. (laughs) So you don't have to show all those to me because I've got the one I wanted. Like, you know, I have. I just bought it from you. Yeah, it's that sort of thing that just kind of drives me a little batty about social media. I mean, I've started... You know, I've had friends who set up private Discord servers and we kind of gather in that place and it's we we interact there. But these they're small and it's hard. People fade away from them because it's another place it's to just go too check. hard to keep involved. Yeah. yeah, it's just one more place to go. I've been a little more active on Twitter lately, but I don't do it through the Twitter app or the Twitter website. I use Tweetbot, which is a third party app because it shows me all the tweets from people I follow in reverse chronological order because right. that's what I want to see. It, it's not like Twitter's with its new algorithm. It's just, it's the sort of thing that just kind of drives me a little batty about this stuff. And I think it's bad for us. I think the bottom line is, is the less we use social media, the better off many of us will be. And I hate to say that because I love to interact with people on social media. Well, and it's kind of analogous to I was at a lady's house the other day and her computer was broken, which is why I was there. (laughs) And so she was saying, you know, I normally I know I guess she was saying her her TV had broken and she was using her computer. But but I had to come fix some things on it. And she was saying she hadn't watched the news all day, every day for the past two weeks because this service, this TV had been down. She said, you know. I'm so much more relaxed, she yes. said, because I just get on the computer and I look at the news and that's it. It's not just constantly bombarding me. Oh, yeah. I don't get. Like, and so it's, yeah. it's similar to the, the, the thing on Facebook. It's just constantly bombarding you. And therefore, you, you, you can't get away from it if you need it for other things. You know, if you're using it for something legit, it's still bombarding you. I know people who they have the TV on like on CNN or Fox or something like 24 seven, like on constantly because they, they are addicted to knowing they're addicted to hearing Afraid I, of know, fear of missing out. Yeah. And I mean, it's become a national that, I mean, if you want to talk about a national pandemic, that might be it uh, because people are afraid of missing out. And this, this, this is what happens like say on Twitter, I've noticed this, this phenomenon on Twitter, uh, especially where people, they, they get in this echo chamber silo and they rip, the, the they magnify the importance of small things that that's i mean that might be the headline right the social right. media magnifies the the importance of small things that aren't all that important but they make it into bigger things and magnifies crises yeah. and magnifies uh tragedies someone does like a that. thing and everyone makes it into a huge deal okay it i mean let's look at that. Maybe we give a benefit of the doubt. Maybe we, it's not quite that huge a deal. It's just, and then what happens is the media reports these interactions on social media as if they were actual news. You know, yeah. people are angry about this thing. No, no. You saw some people on Twitter being angry jerks about a thing. Right. That's not the same thing as everyone is mad. That that's a few yeah. hundred people. Yeah, you can find a few hundred people who are mad about the sun coming up today. Like you can find people <laughs> to be mad about anything. <laughs> like it's 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 a it's a feedback loop of anger and yes. outrage, uh, and these things are hurting us. So I think for me the bottom line is, uh, I want to use some of these social media tools less than I do, 
Um, I still have to use them because I get it. There are still valid uses. We this is how people find out about our podcasts, and this is how you know we we connect with friends and family. So, but I've been posting a lot less online. I avoid controversial issues. I I, I try not to post about politics. It's, I sometimes lapse in that, but I try to avoid political and controversial things like that. Just be, and, and I leaping into. I don't argue with people on the internet anymore as much as I I can because. I don't see the point in it's it. Pointless, yeah. Because no one ever changes their mind anyway. I'm not going to change anyone's mind about something that they're yelling at me about. So there's no point in it. Um, so I, I, I've been trying to do less interaction, but I still look at it. And that's the part I don't like. So I need to maybe do a little less of some of the looking at at, at this stuff. But um, Or I, look at where you're looking at the stuff. In other words, only... I, I actually don't go through my feed. What I do is I go through the the notifications and I look at the notifications and only click on the ones that I really am interested in the people that posted something. Oh, the notification Facebook notifications drive me a little batty too because I'm like, why are you notifying me about this post from this person? I don't care well, about I, I understand, that. but I figured that's a way to screen yeah. them out. I just no, no, look yeah. in, the, in yeah. so yeah. That one article that you were talking about, about uh, they tried to, to tinker with the algorithm and it got worse, kind of reminds me about all the time travel stories about, you know, you somebody goes back in time to try to tinker with something and all of the best intentions in the world, it always makes it worse. Right. And the more and they I try to thinking, fix it, the worse it gets. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I was thinking about the poor people who were actually trying to do a good job of trying to make the algorithm better. And see, feeling frustration for them because it just nothing they did helped. Right. I mean, uh, I'm sure there are good people in in all you know in the all these companies who want who believe that they can make things better, but the system is just designed to undermine them because what really matters to the corpor- to the corporation is money, and you get they get more money by getting more engagement and driving more engagement is is. It's easier to drive engagement. It's more likely to drive engagement with people with negative behaviors than with positive behaviors, and that's the thing. Virtue doesn't sell as well as vice. <laughs> it's is really kind of the bottom line there. So I'm 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 not going to. It's hard. To, I don't want to say I'm not going to let my kids have social media accounts because that you will help train them how to use them. Right. Parental edicts are not are, are never. I think uh, never a good idea, but. If my children wanted a social media account when they are old enough to have them, you're supposed to be 13. There are kids younger than that. Um, I will very strongly talk to them about the dangers, the dangers of addiction, the dangers of of viral fame. I mean, I see some of these young kids who've reached viral fame and it's bad. It is bad. I mean, it devastates them when it's gone. yeah. Yeah. I mean, it uses them. I mean, the system uses them and. It opens them up to all kinds of bad things. So, uh, and and just in general, I want to only have meaningful, helpful interactions. You know, one of the things my wife Melanie does, your daughter uh, does, is she posts lots, and and both your daughters, in fact, post lots of uh, art and links to music and poetry and good stuff. Spread good stuff, and I think that's the that's the thing is try to spread good stuff. You know, be a voice for 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 the light. You know, for, yes. for uh, be a uh, a know, beacon, the, a beacon, <laughs> the face, be the face of God that the the only face of God some people might encounter, 
try to stay away from angry interactions and, and vituperation and that sort of thing and have good you know, if you if you need to uh like you know like something good if you're going to do one of the uh reactions do the good reactions don't do the negative reactions don't engage in flame wars don't get into comments you know uh, uh uh threads where it's all about a flame you know a comment storm you know just try to avoid those things and and make the algorithm work you teach them maybe that's where it is teach them that the algorithm can work to promote virtue if they yeah that would be, be good for them and us so that would be that's my bottom line all right let's uh let's move on from there i do want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of technology including ivan i robert p father chris c father carl w and diane s their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of technology and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. SQPN is a 501c3 nonprofit, so uh, your donations may be tax deductible. Consult your tax professional. <laughs> <laughs> so another thing I want to talk about was something cool. This was, uh, and I was kind of hoping uh, uh, Father would be able to join us. He had a last-minute change of schedule, so he, Father Andrew wasn't able to join us. But the SpaceX Inspiration4 mission uh, took off and landed last week. And I, I was following this through the Netflix documentary. And then I watched the takeoff with my kids. We watched it on YouTube streaming. And then we watched the splashdown. So the, that was uh, a week ago. So last uh, Wednesday. And then we watched the splashdown on Saturday. They were in, in space for, for three whole days. And I was captivated by this. More so than most other space. I love space. In fact, there was a time when I was younger where I, I thought I was going to become an astronaut. Uh, long story. But uh, you know, I, I tell it on Raising the Bets. So if you really want to hear that story, go to the podcast I do with Melanie called Raising the Bets. Uh, but so I love space. But this story really captivated me partly because of the people, these four non-astronauts, these four regular fo Well, you know, it, it's tough to call a billionaire a regular folk, but uh, they're just four people, three regular folk and a billionaire who went into space. And I don't know. I mean, so some of it is the the magic of editing, the Netflix documentary. But there was still something real there that you don't necessarily usually see in a professional buttoned up astronaut sort of thing. Did you follow any of this, Pat? Uh, I wasn't able to actually watch the, the the live footage. I did see some recaps of it. But the idea being it's not military. It's not uh an organizational uh, government yeah. discipline type thing. It's it was people having fun. <laughs> right. Well, so one of the one of the people going up was this young woman, Haley Arsenault. She's uh, she was a childhood cancer survivor at St. Jude's Children's Hospital. That's the Catholic connection, by the way, St. Jude. Uh, in fact, there's a great episode of American Catholic History, the podcast on the Starquest Network uh, early on where they talked about uh, Danny, Danny Kay and the and St. Jude's. And uh, how that all came about. Anyway, she survived uh, childhood cancer at St. Jude's and then went on to become a physician's assistant working at St. Jude's. Wow. And uh, she has a prosthesis inside her leg. Like she has her leg, but they replaced part of the bone 
um, with a prosthetic that as she grew, they had to, it was expandable. It's really kind of cool. Uh, in any case, she's the youngest person ever to go to space, 29. She's the first person with a prosthesis to go to space. She had no real interest in space before they asked her, the, you know, St. Jude's did, do you want to go? And wow. uh, her brother is a rocket engineer. And she called him to talk to him about it. And she's like, do you think we'll go to the moon? Is that where I'm going? And he's like, no, Haley, you're going to orbit. <laughs> like she had no clue. And then she went through all the training. But when they had the launch, you could see the images of the four of them in their, you know, their uh, launch couches inside the space capsule and, you know, going up. And, you know, usually it's, it's all business. When astronauts, you see them in there, they're all business. Checklists and all their yeah. little things that they have to do. Yeah. You could see her face. It was like the biggest grin. Like her mouth was open. She was like, ah, like she was like 10,000 watt smile. Just sheer joy at it and i was like that is awesome i just i love the idea of of you know people like that getting to go when they came when they landed and they came off the the capsule into the recovery ship you know instead of the very stoic you know uh uh you know walking it's another day at the office sort of you know like like astronaut heroes are the fighter pilots are very stoic and that sort of thing you know, uh, one of them, um, her name's Cyan. She's a doctor, a scientist. She gets out and she kind of does a little dance like, woohoo, we made it. You know, this is awesome. And it's like, that is so good. She's an artist, by the way, the Dr. Pro Dr. Proctor, which is a funny rhyme. But uh, she's an artist. So she was showing some of the artwork when they, they did a, a from orbit a little uh, thing that they, they did a uh, live stream. She's showing some of the artwork that she had drawn while she was in space. You know, it's wow. like, that's really cool. We sending an artist up there. That was like when, um, Chris, uh, the Canadian astronaut, Chris, I never can remember his last name, but yeah. I know who you mean. Yeah. Who played, uh, the guitar, you know, uh, ground control to major Tom, the song, right. you know, the, the David Bowie, oh, like, they they made a music video of that, of him doing that in space. And like, that is so cool. Like space isn't just about science, which it is, and, or commercial things, but it's all human endeavor. I can't wait till we have the first priest in space, the first Catholic mass in space. You know, that would be really amazing. That's going to be cool. So I just wanted to talk a little bit about that. Uh, I mean, it's oh, a that's fun. It's technology yeah. related. Um, let's move on to uh, our another story, and this one is uh, pretty interesting, uh, <laughs> a little scary. Your the headline is your credit score should be based on your web history. The IMF says the IMF is the International Monetary Fund, and they don't get to they don't actually get to unilaterally declare things. But four researchers working on a on a paper proposed that finance companies, banks and credit card companies, that sort of thing, might want to, in the future, expand the pool of data they use to judge credit creditworthiness to include your browsing and search and purchase history that would create a more accurate picture of who you are as an individual and your creditworthiness. And they make it sound so nice, like, well, you know, these tech companies have all this data that we that finance companies don't have. So why don't we get that data? And that just makes a more accurate picture. Wouldn't we want a more accurate picture? Pat, what do you think of this? Oh, well, the other thing I'm thinking about besides the privacy issues and besides the fact that you're not always the person sitting in front of a computer who's doing the searching mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Yeah. Besides that, you know, 
I, I, there were a lot of people I saw making comments about, you know, just because I'm looking at X, Y, and Z doesn't have anything to do with my paying my bills and my, my job and all these other things. It's totally unrelated to that. And I would think that uh, there, the article seemed to say, well, maybe there's people that should get loans, but they can't because of their history. So this will make them more personable and more, you know, uh, more information about them that will make them more attractive to lenders. And I'm saying BS. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, if anything, it's going to make it worse to them. But they they will, uh, you know, try to give loans to people who can't pay it back so that they can get all sorts of fines and interest. Right. Exactly. Well, this is the big data problem, right? They, they, it's the promise that the more data we collect about you, the more accurate we can be in our financial or, you know, consumer relationship with you. And it, is that really true? That's an actually, you know, I'm not sure that's actually true that. That you that the more you know about me, the better it is for me to interact with you. I don't think so. I want to go back to the days where you knew very little about me except what I told you. The the minimum that oh, you what needed was verifiable. to know. Right. Yeah. What was verifiable on that you had presented and then got verified. Yeah. Right. I gave you the what you needed to know about me in order to do the whatever it is we need to do together to give me a loan, that sort of thing. It's very invasive. I mean, I've I've had weird interactions with companies before that weren't the same thing, but but in the sense of too too invasive, too personal. Uh, you know, going to a a car dealership and talking to a salesman, and you know, trying to negotiate, and him asking like, you know, do you have a girlfriend? Do you you know do you do you drive to these certain places? Like these weird like way too personal questions and it's like that put me off i'm like you don't need to know any of that in order for me to decide you know for us to decide what the price of this car should be but he's like and i'll go somewhere else (laughs) exactly and i was able to do that whereas with big data if we if we think it's okay for these companies to to access all the same giant pool of big data that's accumulated about us that we don't have a choice to say you can't have that information that's the problem of big data is we don't have control over it at least at this moment, no way to clean it out when when something is is wrong. You know, you know the whole bit about the the search companies that that try to gather information about you know so you can find your dirt on your boyfriend or or whatever. It's it's the fact is that their facts are so easily misapplied, you know, and things come up and being matched that have nothing to do with you, right? You know, we were talking about the algorithms earlier, the social media algorithms, and it. it in some ways, I feel good that how poorly these algorithms often work in showing me ads for things or, or that sort of stuff. Because it's like, yeah, if you really don't know me at all, if you think this is the sort of thing it's I want to see. <laughs> Although, if I wanted to do, if I really wanted to get deep in the weeds, I could say maybe they're doing that on purpose, so I don't know how good their data on me is. Yeah, that's right. That reverse psychology. <laughs> you can really drive yourself around the bend trying to think of all that stuff. I bet I should probably not. <laughs> all right. So those are our headlines uh, for this week. Uh, so let's move on to our uh, picks of the week then. Uh, Pat, why don't you go first? Yeah, out of this whole crowd here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, first, then I will go after you. <laughs> okay, okay, that's fine. So 
um, I do a lot of work with people for computers that aren't necessarily working. And so I liked looking for tools that make things easy. And one of the things I had run across before was using Linux, which is a, a another operating system, to boot a machine that wasn't running Windows properly so I could copy off the information or so I could see if the hard drive was readable, etc. Well, recently I came across something called CloudReady. And CloudReady is a company that has now been bought by Google, but it produced a Chrome OS that I can take and create a USB and boot another machine, and now it's running Chrome OS, which means that for people who don't need a full computer necessarily, but have an old laptop or have an old desktop, you can either boot it and run it from there, or you can actually install it. And it's a very easy, leads you through the installation. It's not even as hard as the Linux one. And at that point, you've got a Chrome browser that you can put Dropbox in and LastPass and any of the extensions that you would normally have and have your bookmarks synced over from from Google if you wanted. Uh, and the idea being is it's a nice GUI web browsing interface and you can plug in a flash drive and read files from it or you can, uh, you know, do things with files and manipulate them and use Google Docs to open up a Word document or whatever and I thought, well, this is kind of a nice way to, for somebody who's got an old machine. And these days right now, buying new ones with the chip shortage is becoming more of a problem. So if all you're doing is mail on the Internet and those types of things, it's a way without having to dip into the Linux world to for for somebody who could it's free uh, I'll put in the show notes a link, but it can be downloaded by anybody and installed on any on their machine. Uh, and it's just kind of a neat idea. And so I've been playing with that the last week. I mean, even the the enterprise version, which is usually really expensive, is 50 bucks a year per device. I know. It's it's really cheap. Now, there are some things that uh, like you don't have the, the Google Play Store. Although that might change in the future. But so you're kind of restricted to those things that you can do web browsing and or extensions, you know, but it but the old Google Chrome apps has gone away or is so there were things you could like run Angry Birds in a Chrome app. Well, that's gone away. But if you can get to the place that you can run it off a website, you're fine. So any anything that's web based, pretty much you could you can do. And that's that's where you're and. And, uh, you know, Chrome extensions. And browser extensions. And there's a lot yeah. of, yeah, there's a lot of browser extensions that would, would perf, you know, work that way. You know, LastPass and Dropbox and, and some of those things are easy to do. Okay, okay. So, yeah, so a real basic machine. Yeah, and I mean, it, it, it's nice that you can boot it off a thumb drive so that you just, you know, you, you could take that thumb drive somewhere and plug it into a computer and boot off of that and be in your your Chrome OS. Basically. Your space, you're right. And, and, and I've done the same thing with Linux. With, there's a Mint distribution and an Ubuntu distribution that are very simple that, again, all you do is plug it in, boot it, and now you're in this GUI environment that's kind of like a Mac-looking environment. And uh, But you don't have to worry about the underlying, uh, you know, having to install it. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, a Linux... A distro on a on a thumb drive will give you a little more flexibility just because 
you could then run apps and all that sort of stuff and all those. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah you, you, you can – that definitely gives you more capability. Yeah, but, but this uh, is a nice basic alternative. That's kind of – Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I like that. So my pick is something actually I promised last week, which is uh, my, my I picked up a battery pack from Anchor last week, and I said I would have an additional uh, – I promised an additional – pick this week that makes this battery pack different from the other ones. So uh, as I was saying last time, and I should amend what I said last time, by the way, I I had mistakenly said that the battery pack that I that I mentioned in my pick last week from Anchor was MagSafe compatible that it attached to any uh, iPhone 12 and now the iPhone 13 with magnetic. It, do, it doesn't, it, but it is a Qi charger. Uh, I, I did have that part right. So if you hold... Uh, any recent phone that does Qi charging against it, it will charge uh, conductively like that, uh, which is good. So all the other stuff I said about it was it was accurate. But I I mentioned that it it's not good for watch Apple watches, and in fact, most batteries aren't good for Apple watches. I've tried a lot when I go, I go camping with the Scouts with my kids, and I want to charge my my watch overnight, and I can't. It it won't stay charging. Um, on the even uh, even with the USB cord and the little mm-hmm. round that puck, yep. it still won't work. It won't work because they don't. Most batteries don't support trickle charge, and that's the big difference. Apple Watch Ooh. requires a. Tri- I, so I contacted Anchor to ask them about this, and this is what they told me: is you need a a battery that supports trickle charging, which is a, it 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 feeds a little bit of energy on a constant basis, as opposed to what most chargers do: is they a big hit and then slow slows down. This need this has to support trickle charging, and so the one they recommended is the Anchor Slim One Ten Thousand PD. Make sure you, it's the PD is is important. The power delivery. Power one. delivery. Yeah. And so that will work with the Apple Watch charging it. Uh, so. Uh, it, so is it, it's magnetic the no. the, ba- the pack itself? No, 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 you still have to use the cord, the USB cord. Right, and there are are other ones out there that promise to do Apple Watch charging, and they are magnetic on the case. And I had one that uh, you could actually it came up with a strap that you could strap the watch to it, and that sort of thing. Uh, it didn't work great, and I, I I was I always wondered about that. Like, why doesn't it? Why it's is supposed to be designed for this? Why isn't it really charging it? And I think it might. Be those trickle charging issues. It might right. not have been really good at doing it. So this is this one is the is the one that does it much better. Um, there, in fact, it says there's a newer version than the one I was looking at. So I should take a look at that. Uh, make sure that's still the same. It does say ten thousand PD, so that might be a, a slightly newer version than the one I was looking at before. But I'll I'll make sure that the link in the show notes is for the right one. But in any case, if you regularly need to charge your Apple Watch from a battery, this might be something you want to check out. Okay. I will look at that because I know I need it. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Uh, I'll be using it this weekend. I'm taking the kids camping again. So I'll, I'll Ooh, be, I'll be uh, using it again. All right. So I think that does it for us. We'd love to hear from you. What do you what you think of our discussion, especially of the Facebook files and the social media problems that we're talking about? You can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash technology or the SQPN Facebook page, facebook.com slash Media, like Rick did, and our, our great feedback from earlier in the show. Uh, we're on Twitter, where we're at SQPN, and you can send an email to technology at sqpn.com. And you'll find links from our discussion and our picks of the week on our show notes at sqpn.com. 
Make sure to follow The Secrets of Tech in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, your favorite podcast app, or at the SQPN YouTube channel, where you should make sure to hit the bell to get notifications. Until next time, Pat Scott, thank you for joining me in sharing the secrets of technology. Glad to be here. And once again, I'm Don Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Technology on StarQuest. <laughs>